Welcome to the Transform Sales Podcast, where forward-thinking business leaders come to share their experiences and ideas, learn from each other, and amplify their results together. Hey guys, what's up? It's Amir Writer. We don't have a two-minute countdown. We're going live, Sean, because I'm here without my video guy. But I know what to do because I talk to sales agency leaders like yourself pretty much every day. Um, thank you for joining, man. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. I appreciate you having me on. Excited for today. Well, I hope you can learn a lot from the mistakes that buyers make and really understand what you guys are focusing on. I think our introduction came from an outsourced sale to agency company, which which is we're all connected now in this network state, all these B2B sales leaders. Um, before we get into it, love to hear about who you are and how you got into the lovely business of a sales agency to begin with. I know you do uh, a little bit more than just B2B Legion on top of the funnel, but love to focus on that for the show. What, what got you into this business? Yeah, I appreciate you asking that question. So Sean Peterson, CEO of Quanta Business Solutions. We started in mid 2021. And really what got me into it is I'd already been a CEO in the office technology space and an executive in the sales arena uh, for many years. And I just noticed that there was a much better and cleaner way to go to market. And so, you know, if you think of books like Predictable Revenue, uh, Tech Powered Sales by Justin Michael and Tony Hughes, those books kind of excited me, fired me up and made me really start to think about how do we create the optimized uh, machine to go to market? And so we got into go to market consulting that led to relationships in the in the tech space with HubSpot, Zoom Info, Connect and Sell. And then before we knew it, as we were automating and systemizing processes for clients, they needed SDR work. And so then we added that as one of our functions. And, uh, we've been doing really well, really excited for the growth that we're having, but I um, feel like we still haven't even scratched the surface of the potential. I don't think you have. I think this market's going to boom. I love the fact that you mentioned Justin Michaels. We know each I mentioned in his book, Tech Power Sales, and we were doing outbound calling together before he actually read, wrote that book. Um, I met him at Outbound View, Outbound Works years ago. But uh, it makes sense. So you, you go to markets, also something that is very neglected. I don't want to get into that too deep, but it's like one of those one of those things that people just miss. Um, but it, it's great hearing that you are, you, you fell in love with the trade. You decided to, to become passionate, to make a business out of what you became passionate about, which is awesome. Um, yeah. Talk to me about quantum business solutions. What, what's, what is, uh, tell me a little about the agency. What do you guys, what are your ideal customer profiles? What's that 80, 20 rule for you guys? If you had to say, if you had to not talk about the 20% of your customers, that take up most of your time and, and focus on the 80%. What are we talking here? Are we talking software? Are we talking services? What, what, are the, yeah. what, is, what does it look like? Yeah. So I came out of the B2B space um, in office tech, managed services, right? So IT solutions. So we focus a lot in that arena, but our ideal client profile is an organization, SMB, so say a few million bucks a year up to uh, 500 million, maybe even get into the billion range. They're looking to either grow their SDR team or they don't have one yet, but they're starting to understand this concept of breaking up the sales process into expertise, leveraging technology. They maybe haven't even mapped it out. That's where we come into play. We built a great Lucid chart for all of our customers and help them kind of map it out and see it visually. Um, and then we want to go after C-suite executives that they're looking for. And the reason for that is we believe that with our RevOps optimization, if we can you know, leverage mobile phone numbers, gather the data from Zoom Info, automate workflows from a Zoom Info, say HubSpot and trigger, you know, nurture campaigns and feed it right over to Connect and Sell, which is a super powerful conversation weapon. 
we can build one really efficient, uh, but more importantly, consistent machine that can continue to provide great results. And so, uh, you know, just as a quick example, we've got, you know, young SDRs and one did 74 uh, booked meetings last month, calling on a variety of industries, but that's really important, right? Because what, what it's going to show is you don't have to have the expert SDR as much as the expert process and the technology and RevOps, and then you can train the, the people in the process. Can't an expert process create an expert SDR? Yes, I think they can um, in results, but if you look at the conversion rate and such, uh, not necessarily, you know, there's a, an experience and a component, but what it does is if they're getting a lot more opportunities to have conversations, they're getting to practice and get better quicker. So I would say uh, we had one gentleman last month, first month, booked 61 meetings, which we were pretty excited about. 61 meetings, and if your ICP is what you talk about, it sounds like it's above 25K. Sounds like it. I can reverse engineer it. Yeah. So that's, I can't do the math, but that's a lot of pipeline. Um, it, it, it's a lot of pipeline. So it depends, you know, what they're selling specifically, but we've got clients that do multi hundred thousand dollar investments. And then we've got clients that do 10 to $20,000 marketing retainers, clients that do five to $15,000, $20,000 managed services contracts. Yeah. If you get into that and some of them are getting into, three and five year agreements. Imagine, you know, 10,000 bucks a month for 60 months. That's a pretty good deal. $600,000 of pipeline. Before we bore people to the math, um, and I, you're using a secret weapon and connect and sell. Shout out to Gary Hill. You probably know him. He's a cool dude. Um, so basically, it sounds like if I had to kind of free, I, I missed whether it was software or, or service. I think it's said software. But it sounds like they're in a, almost a shape of a series A, series B customer, like someone that has traction that's gone and tested a little bit, that has a little bit of product market fit and is looking to have, to take that product market fit to the next level. Is that what I heard correctly? Like they've had some SDRs, they've already made some meetings, they they like know that they want it, right? It's not a startup, it's not a publicly traded private equity company, but it's somebody who's kind of looking to go from C to series A, A to B round. Is that a description of them? Uh, we would actually be more with a mature company. So if we can find a 10, 20, 30, 40 year old company, uh, 5 million to a few hundred million dollars a year, and they're looking to revamp. So they already have clients, they have resources, they maybe have a brand, but what they're looking to do is how do they take it from 20 to 20, I got you. So it's the guys who rely on uh, the trade shows and the networking and they, they become complacent. Outside sales, yeah. B2B. Yeah, it's those guys. It's everybody who's been ignored over the last 10 years. Everybody's been selling their services to software companies. Guys, the next 10 years is going to be the uh, the forgotten companies. We're talking those those packaging companies and the, the manufacturing companies. And they're not so sexy to some people. They're sexy to me. That makes a lot of sense. So these are larger companies. They have product market fit. They've kind of, you know, they're they're almost they're, they're making money, right? So it's nothing fundamentally oh, yeah. broken. And now they're like, well, what happens if our reps actually call? But the reps don't want to call because they've been there for twenty years. And they, we, I know these people. I know who we're talking yeah, about. Yeah. So this is this is great. Anybody listening, I'm like, a lot of these companies that fit the the, the prescription that you met, they're they're sometimes used to status quo, right? They know they have more business out there, but status quo got them so far and now i think with covid and things like that where where 
uh, I don't know if I can say that word on the podcast, but, but uh, they, they kind of now know that SDRs are out there. It's time to make some meetings for those field account executives. Um, do you focus, do you find that most of your clients are United States based or does that matter to you? What's like your best region to sell to? Our clients are primarily, you know, United States um, focused and uh, United States based. We've had a few in other countries, but there's plenty of business to be had right in the United States. And, you know, to be more specific, like we, we love a office equipment, you know, copier company. We love a office furniture company or uh, you said packaging, right? Those old school companies, they're very stable. They have brand recognition, but they're maybe looking to make a pivot into a modern offering or they know they want to grow their sales, but they need a more efficient and effective way to do it. Those are the perfect people for us because uh, they're stable, they're secure, they have the money, they have the resources, and it's just a matter of putting things in place. You know, the one thing you're going to face there is is change, right? You're, you're coming in to be a change agent. So there's a little bit of headwind at times with that, but that's okay. Um, we, we love working with them and we think it's a great time and a, and a great business to be in. I, I'm hearing this more and more often um, and it makes sense. It has a lot to do with like the, these companies have been ignored, right? And that's an opportunity for someone who gets the process. Right. If you bring that, if you bring that high end sales process that was able to penetrate SaaS, well, everybody's selling software to each other. Right. And it works there. And you bring it to a company that the buyers haven't had a phone call in years or an email in years because it, then it works. So I, I love your, your, I love your ICP. I think it's a, I think it's a big one. I think that you, it's where you can make a big impact, which is awesome. Um, we did another one that's kind of interesting. So we've had several marketing agencies as clients. And I thought that was, um, it was unique, but you know, they're great marketers, What they aren't able to do is take all those leads they can create and take action on them. So they leverage us to do that. And so we'll go cold or we'll go after their leads and we'll make sure they get them on the calendar. Cause I always say, you know, most of those high end offerings, nobody's going to buy anything without meeting with somebody. So you can have a million marketing leads. If that doesn't turn into any meetings with anybody in the organization, you're still not going to sell anything and generate revenue. So. We found a little niche probably because we're in the HubSpot ecosystem with marketing agencies as well. And those clients have a high LTV. That's a lifetime value for anybody listening who doesn't know. So when they get a customer, they keep them. So it's, 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 you get them five customers that could typically pay for a 12 month engagement. Right. So that makes sense to me too. Um, and then obviously you mentioned that you prefer to sell to C-suite, right? So um, if you meet that criteria, great. If your buyers are also C-suite, time to talk to Sean. Right. That's kind of that's kind of the high level here. Uh, what about like, like what, what, what would you say separates you from other agencies? Is, is it that process? Or is it the use tools that, that are, are more advanced, like like Connect and Sell? Yeah. So I think it's a couple of things. One is when we talk to other organizations, their approach is siloed outside of the customer. So the customers may be working with HubSpot or Salesforce, has the CRM, has action going. Maybe they're marketing and they're doing their own sales activities. And then the firm or the agency will be over here working in their own dialer, maybe with their own data, or they take data and 60 days later, they're still calling on that same data. So it's not active. And then the only thing feeding back to that customer is the uh, spreadsheet they might send them, right? They're, they're not feeding the data. So what we do is if a customer has HubSpot or Salesforce, we're going to hook our, our connect and sell right in. We'll create custom questions. And we'll even trigger automated nurturing campaigns, automated voicemail drops, so you get calls back. So that's one piece. The other piece is when you're controlling the data, 
uh, inside of their system, the ability to segment and cross section, you can get more specific so that there's a better chance of closing. Because we all know at the end of the day, if the customer doesn't close anything, they're going to come back and it doesn't matter if you're the marketing guy, if you're Zoom Info, if you're the sales agency, if they can't turn it into revenue, there's going to be struggles for everybody upstream, right? So we want to do as much as we can to help make sure it's somebody they can turn into revenue. So that's one thing. And then the other piece is our ability to manage our RevOps. You know, when we've got, I think it was uh, a week ago, we had one of our SDRs 48 seconds in between calls on connect and sell. And what we did, you know, I'm going to give some secret sauce here. We took C-suite and a large TAM. We only called on mobiles. We did call on live voice. So our dial to connect was like six that day. And 48 seconds after the notes were done and you hit go again, another decision maker was on the line because we know people don't pick up other people's cell phones. So that type of stuff helps us just be super effective and efficient uh, with what we do. So that's a little bit of a tip for customers, but a little bit of a tip for other agencies. No, I'm like, look, it's good tips because at the end of the day, um, there's a lot of room to do the right things and get the right results. I think I think the wrong result, things and wrong efficiencies just repeat bad practices. I think a lot of companies are even scared to get their internal SDRs on connect and sell or um, these tools that make you work hard, right? Like if you're really passionate about calling, I've used Orum, I've used connect and sell and like, if you're good at it, you're going to crush it. If you're a guy who's trying to avoid work and become an account executive, you're going to hate it, right? So I think it flushes out the the real guys. Now I know why you like Justin Michaels. He's, he's a real dude. He gets on the phone and he calls, right? Um, yeah. Talk to me about, and so a lot of times that like we, what we like to focus on is mistakes because we think that buyers can learn from the mistakes, right? Like, like we've, I lost the money. Don't lose it again. Right. Like, like, yeah. like, like mistakes. So what mistakes do buyers make in the searching, the process of searching for an outsource agency, not buying, right. Well, buying, but searching and buying, like what's this common mistake that they make and not the mistake that I, that hurts your closing rate mistakes that hurt them from getting the results or the right partner they want. Is there something that comes to mind? Yeah, I've got a, I've got a few here. One is I always say, if you're going to hire me, treat me like your best friend's son. And what I mean by that is you'd want to make sure your best friend's son was going to be successful. So you'd make sure that he had the best list to call on. So have great lists ready to go. Don't hold back all the good stuff to see how we can do in the cold calling Olympics. That's what I call it, where it's like, go out and do the hardest things possible. And then if you can do that, then we'll give you the Glenn Gary, Glenn Rosses, right? And so don't do that. Treat us like you're, we're your best friend's son. You're paying us well to do this job. Let us be successful. Help you get a hold of the people you want to get a hold of anyways. So that's that's one thing. The second thing is oftentimes people want to break this down to like a cost per meeting. And that really done the value-based equation of what a meeting's worth. Not all meetings are created equal, right? And urgency to buy and the level of person inside the organization and the uh, potential product or service you sell. And yet people want to break this down to, um, you know, here's what we think we should pay per a meeting, $500, $1,000, it doesn't matter, whatever their number is in their head. And they get caught up on that without looking at the, the stats. And like most things, I've realized I don't want to be the guy getting the best deal at any of my vendors. And that sounds crazy, but the guy getting the best deal is usually the last guy to get attention. Yeah. Because if I've got a $100,000 a month client paying me $1,000 a meeting, I'm going to make sure I really keep that guy happy. I guess another guy that wants to pay me four grand for 20 meetings, that's a made up number, but it's like, we're barely making anything. We're probably losing money. If we don't get to that guy and he leaves, it's probably okay. So not that you want to pay the most, but you'd rather pay for quality and you'd rather have enough margin built in as the buyer for 
the agency to want to focus on you and to want to put the extra rev ops and data and time in to make sure these meetings are the types of meetings you're going to succeed with. So that's what I would say. And then just being clear in expectations. So one of the things you learn along the way is something small, like make sure the customer and the agency have both approved the list. You don't want to be set in meetings and then having the customer say, these aren't the types of meetings we want. This isn't qualified. Well, no, sir, you approved this. If you didn't look through it, that's one thing, but we we approved it together that this was going to be a good list to call on. Um, so big and small tips there, I think. Yeah, that, that that makes a lot of sense. Also, one thing that stuck to me is like the cost for a meeting. They, they don't take into account that like if a meeting's not in a buying zone, they might not talk to you for a year later and then come back and buy, right? So yeah. it's like, well, you, you can't, they, 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 they know as buyers that they don't behave like that. They buy when they're ready, right? And they put no value on an MQL awareness consideration. It's like, it's like trying to go straight from like meeting a partner and being like, let's get married. You know, like we all know that that doesn't happen in the real world, but we try to force agencies to work like that. And I think it comes from a lack of education or where they just buy, you know, they try to hire a company when like they are behind quota and they know the VP of sales knows that he's got a few more months left before he gets fired. Now he's pushing you. And another thing that you said that got to me is like, do you really want your partners to be starving? Right? Like, do you want to like no. work with a personal trainer who like hasn't eaten food? Cause you're trying, so like when you're trying to negotiate price down, like, Keep in mind, like these are the people that need to like support you. Do you want to make yourself the worst customer? Do you really want to push it apart where you're like the, the you're the bottom tier customer? Like I would beg to say that like a real buyer is going to be like Sean. I'm just charge per month 10k. I'm going to give you 12k to make sure that you guys crush for us. But they do the opposite. They think that by negotiating, you know, a, a discount that you're going to work harder or be better. And it's it's interesting. But I think I think that with time that they can figure out that um, you know money spent on an outsource agency or w2 is the same money in the bank right and i think that the, the cat's out of the bag right a lot of times people say like can outsource and like i laugh because i'm like yeah the average just yours one 12 months the dpcl is 18 months you're, so you're telling me that's good right like are you telling me that that data is good because it's not so i'm like something wow. something can, can be fixed uh in both sides um do you find any patterns that of, of people making mistakes that are more like working with you mistakes I know you kind of mentioned some, but like, yeah. anything that's like, like now they're working with you, that's a clear mistake that you wish you could, come on, be a good, yeah. be a good buyer. So, so the, it, it occurred to me when I had a couple of marketing agencies as clients and I assumed they would be marketing around the campaign. So our big thing is, hey, let's warm it up, try to, if we could in a perfect world, everybody'd have lead scoring and things would flow over to the callers, you know, and the SDRs when they hit a certain lead score. But we know usually that's not what it's like when we first get into the situation or the, the client. But uh, they they weren't marketing and they weren't nurturing on the backside. So we're just out here, you know, in the coldest area trying to, you know, generate meetings. The other thing is we have something we call the revenue efficiency model, which is there's five ways to grow your revenue. One is to keep the revenue you have. So don't lose customers. Two is to grow, that's cross-sell and upsell. So when we work with clients, a lot of times they have thousands of current customers and they could be selling something that with a, a monthly recurring revenue of five to $10,000 a month, but they always say, no, we, we can handle our own customers, but they're not. We know that from API analytics. You have referrals, so how do you, how do you go out and systemize the referral process? Then you have convert, which is we talk about a list of lists who's everyone that may know who you are, right? They lost, you lost a deal three years ago in the account. They attended the trade show, they attended the webinar, people lose track of that stuff. 
Then there's the expand. When they come to us, a lot of times they're like, hey, we want to expand all that new and they want to get all these new lists of contacts and people have never been warmed up. And I say, that has the most client acquisition cost left to actually acquire that customer and the most time. Mm-hmm. Is there somebody we could help you grow with, right? Cross-sell and upsell that immediately pays for this campaign, immediately pays for this service that we're giving you. So it, you it's got- human nature, right? I think human nature is yeah. like, I'm paying a vendor, so I'm going to make him do the hard route. But it's like, man, this is your business. It's Fasting your a million, a million of revenues worth $10 million to you at peak market. You got all these buyers that haven't heard from you, and you're like trying to put us, trying to make us do the hard thing, but you're also giving us three months where normal onboarding three months, you're gonna give us three months, you're gonna give us the hard leads and they think they're winning. These are bad buying behaviors. They really are. Oh. Like one, of our, one of our best customers was Ipswich before they were bought by Progressive. We had 11X ROI. Um, guess why? Because we followed up with all the MQLs. They had a team of 11 SCRs and they followed up the MQLs. It wasn't secret sauce. They were smart enough. They were three to say, we are having you go after all of the people who didn't make a decision, didn't buy, and guess what? We made them money. Had they did strangers, they would have fired us. And it, it's the biggest thing is like, it's like, guys, like a company that never heard of your brand before is not going to buy right away unless you get perfect timing and you, and you can happen. Right. But what are you doing with all the people who you, you met with, who rejected you? Right? Like, the dollars. Yeah. They think so buyers, they think they're saving money, but choosing millions. And, and, you know, it's, it makes it harder for, it's like making it harder for a doctor to do his job. You know what I mean? And sometimes it's hard to tell the buyers the truth, right? Have you ever had trouble being honest with buyers? Do you ever feel like if you're honest with the buyer and tell them the truth, they might not select you, right? Like, how do you feel? Like, like do, do, do you feel like you're set up to be honest? Or do you feel like the way they buy sets you up to like go with the flow and then try to work the work up the hill? Um, as I do this more, I, I pretty much try to talk people out of doing it. And then let them kind of come to us because I tell them all the things that are going to go wrong. Right. And so I say, if you treat me like your best friend's son, we work through the data together. You follow best practices on trying to get the best show rate. We go after the best lists, all these things. We're going to be successful. If you throw us out in the left field, expect us to run through, you know, a, a gauntlet. You're not doing your part. You're not showing up to weekly meetings because we hold weekly meetings with our clients to go through things. This is going to fail and we shouldn't even do it because then what's going to happen is out of guilt. I keep throwing thousands of dollars of resources to make you happy. You're still never happy. And then you're going to go tell everyone that it didn't work and I don't need that and you don't need it. So we're just going to waste a bunch of time and energy around nothing. But if we want to do this right, I can make money and you can make money and we can both be very happy. You can go tell a couple of buddies about me in in a year or six months and our businesses will both grow together. And then everyone says, well, yeah, we're looking for long-term relationships. But first time they get a no-show, they're wondering what happened. And I remember we talked about 55% show rate and that's the stat out there. And um, the other thing that I think gets missed is when they put together their overall if they were investing $5 million a year in the total sales expense, that equal, we'll just make up a number. Say that equal a thousand meetings, right? Take it and keep doing that. Well, sometimes if you could invest another 300 grand, you could take your thousand meetings and turn it into 2,000 meetings. So five or 7% more investment, you could double or triple your pipeline and people just can't get past that, right? They just, they get stuck in the, in the, mud there a bit in that process. And so that's a mistake I see a lot. Yeah. 
I feel like we're like set up for like short-term everything, short-term, short-term engagements with buying software, short-term engagements with service companies, short-term engagements with dating, YouTube shorts are the, the range. I think people are, I think we live in this new world where like this long-term concept is, is dying um, and it's going to hurt people's pockets. I think they're going to kind of pull back to the, the long-term, right? It's like short-term, it's also, it's also in the world, right? Short-term concept. Let's, let's pump in some oil to Europe from Russia with no backup, right? Um, yeah short term and doesn't work out now now everyone's thinking long term which i'm not going to get into the politics but there's a lot of, a lot of associations with that um sean I, I i love the fact that you're one of the guys who's honest and direct and i like the fact that you sell by being truthful right and being direct and it makes sense to me and i think that leaders like yourself are going to find yourself with a lot of business because all the people who are saying everything else are going to fail and and, and and they're going to still need leads, and they're going to come back and meet guys like you that are just honest and direct and have that long-term approach. And I think we're, I think we're going to get out of the short-term trust and get the long-term. So I do appreciate you being on the show and, and helping out with content and helping buyers with uh, the real deal information. Where can people find you if they're in an industry that they're a big company, they've been doing 100 million in revenue, but they haven't had an SDR team, and they love selling the C-suite and they're U.S. based and they like honesty and directness and they're looking for a long term relationship. <laughs> How can they reach you? How can they contact you, man? Yeah. So uh, first of all, you can always email me at Sean, S-H-A-W-N, at thequantumweep.business. And then I learned something that the international founder or excuse me, not founder, uh, president and CEO of Starbucks. Howard Behar, uh, he actually put his phone number and his email on a podcast with Ed Milet, and he talked about how all these people call. So I'm just going to throw it out here. And my phone number is 712-389-4639. And you can call or text me if you're interested. You're in just addicted to cell phone stimulus. So you're just, trying, it, to get, you're just trying to get high right now. I learned a lesson on that, right? Like, And, and the guy actually met with me because I ended up going, hmm. And I said to him, like, well, how many people, you know, ended up reaching out? I think he said he had about 150 meetings. But when you think about Ed Milet and his podcast and how many people listened to it, and only 150 people actually took the action to reach out to this guy. It's crazy because people are lazy. Yeah, I got yeah. my phone number listed everywhere. And I actually, I answer WhatsApp messages and SMS. I don't necessarily answer phone calls because they just feel like SMS is great and people don't dismiss me. But, like, you would be shocked the amount of people that could call me, that don't call me, and and – you know, it's just good opportunity for those that want to work. Good opportunity that those want to jump on Connect and Sell. If you want to be an expert, I join Sean's team. Um, Sean, I thank you for everything. I'm going to let you go. Thank uh, you. But, but uh, thank you for joining. And everybody who's listening, I appreciate you tuning in to this episode of the Transform Sales Podcast. Until we do this again with another amazing sales agency owner. Sean, take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, man.